Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. supplies to be out in public with my children. Wipes, band-aids, shoes, all optional. And somebody, somebody who probably worries more than I do, has them. I was a self-proclaimed cool cucumber. But preparing for this talk has led me to confess some of my fears. While writing, I started to get real, as I usually do, and I learned a few things. For example, I don't particularly like tight spaces or crowds or loud noises, and if you were to combine all three, I would start to get a little lightheaded. I don't really like rodents or roaches either. Our house had a rodent problem a couple years ago when we moved in, unbeknownst to us, and when I heard them in the wall one night, I sat straight up in bed and threatened to call 911. My husband said he wasn't really sure that it was an emergency. Then what would you call it exactly? And speaking of my husband... I notice every single siren if I know he's on his way home from work. And speaking of sirens, I woke up the other night in a panic wondering how an ambulance might officially get efficiently get to my parents' house if need be because they live a couple of miles down a dirt road. Should they move? I wondered. I stayed up until 3 a.m. debating if we should buy the house next door to us. I loathe being misunderstood and I can turn myself in knots if I feel like somebody's upset with me. I worry that I'm not doing enough to let my kids know how brilliant they are in my eyes. I fear embarrassment more than I do anything else, and giving talks is very difficult for me. But no, I'm not really a worrier. I'm not really a fearful person. So, it turns out I'm a fear expert. And every single person who has ever lived has experienced fear is intimate with fear on some level because it's an inescapable feature of our earthly lives. My four-year-old helped himself into our bed the other night, and when I asked him if he had gotten scared, if he was feeling afraid of the dark, he looked at me funny and bluntly said, No, I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of what's in the dark. Okay, well, what's in the dark? I asked him, and he proceeded to tell me in great detail about the alligator-bird hybrid that growls and eats cats and lives under his bed, and he had zero concern for how loco it made him sound. Here I am denying that I don't want to cohabitate with rats, and my son curls up next to me and tells me every detail of the chaos that he has created in his head. Adults cover up and hide, and children are bare and open. Children lack the fabricated facades that adults learn to master in order to appear the ways that we like. With kids, you just get the real thing, like it or not. And even if kids live in a perfectly safe haven, free from all bad guys and fictional horrors with their bathroom light left on and the door left ajar to just the right degree and their monitors on, they will, guaranteed, at some point be afraid because somehow, without having to figure it out the hard way, they naturally, intrinsically know that they live in a world that is not safe. And what that's taught me is that fear is just natural. We experience it before anything has even had a chance to go awry. 
And as we become adults, you know, you, you would think that we would trade our childish fears for our competence and experience. But have we? We we might not be creating species of pet-eating reptiles that live under our beds, but as adults, have we gotten rid of our worry? Because it seems to me that the freedom of adulthood kind of brings its own sets of worries, doesn't it? With childhood, we might have the fear of safety, but with adulthood, we have the fear of personal failure. With adulthood, we have all these choices, which just means really a lot of opportunities to get things wrong. And so the point is that nothing happens to relieve our fears when we grow up. In fact, they just increase. We might replace monsters for mice, but our fears, both silly and legitimate, they're constant. And so the obvious starting point here is that life is dangerous. There are real reasons to be afraid. That's not untrue. And sometimes it feels like our world is hanging by a thread. We have real enemies and accidents happen. And it can be so easy to become preoccupied with those things, those truths. But the deeper meanings in our fears, they tell us something. It tells us that we have to look in two places, two directions. Because as we look outward, we see those dangers, those real stresses, disease, death, war, economic collapse, meeting after meeting, being spread too thin, and a host of other ills. But listen, that's only half of the story because to deeply understand worry and fear and anxiety, we have to also look at ourselves. Take a moment and review some of your fears and ask yourself, what do these fears say that I trust in? What do these fears say that I love? Because these scary objects, they might also reveal what we cherish. They might also reveal what we worship. Friends, we simply have to give up on all of the other saviors in our lives and we have to embrace Jesus Christ. We have to give up on every other savior that we're looking to, whether it's our perfectly ordered life or our pain-free living. We are all looking to something or someone to save us, to save us from our discomfort, to save us from our insecurities, to save us from our worst nightmares and on and on and on. We're looking to a savior a control savior, a comfort savior, an affirmation savior in all of them are idols. An idol is anything in my life that occupies a place that should be occupied by God alone. Comfort, safety, our families, healthy relationships, prestige. These are good, good things, but if they have become an ultimate thing, it is an idol. Do you feel as though your life doesn't have meaning without them? Idol. So, danger, it points out, but our vulnerability points in. If fear is about a precarious world, then there would be little we could do about it. But if fear is about us, then maybe there's a way through. Our fear is about us. If we listen closely, we hear, I am vulnerable. So how do we feel safe and calm in a fallen world with these tendencies to take matters into our own hands? We need to dethrone our idol and we need to rethrone our God. The more I get to know who Jesus is, the more my definition of what love is changes. And the more I watch and love and admonish and truth tell and not back down and heal and advocate, the more I am captured by the beauty of who he is. When God sent us Jesus, it was an invitation to dissect God. He seemed to be laying himself out on that table. Learn about me. What do you see? 
And so we simply have to get to know the Lord. We have to trust that what he tells us about himself is true. And when we look at Jesus, we have to adjust our ideas about who God is. Do you know what God's most frequent command is? It's to not be afraid. 365 times, do you get the sense that God is in tune with your fears? I looked up some of these instances in the Bible, not all of them, but never once did I get the impression that God was annoyed with me about the way that I feel. He obviously doesn't mind repeating himself on the topic, right? The most beautiful part to me is his insistence and the dedication that he shows when he speaks to the details of my trouble. Our God is not unavailable. He is not overcommitted. He does not have too much on his plate, and there is no such thing. He knows us, and he has mercy. And so we can search scripture and find that our worries are not trivial to God. We have to trust that we are so dearly loved. We have to trust that God is who he says he is. And the best way to do that is to study the life of Christ and to search his word to learn more about his character. Our God is trustworthy and his love is intense. Life is dangerous. I am vulnerable. There is a need and I might not get it. I might not be able to secure my plans or get my wishes and bad things may happen and there's nothing that I can do to secure that they won't. And control and certainty are illusions and that's okay because God is good. This world isn't all there is to this life. God has forever in mind and he is constantly straightening my paths to lead to my good. The Lord is not consumed with my comfort. Even if I am, he is consumed with my conversion with my soul reflecting his glory. He is consumed with my freedom. His love is unfailing. It endures forever. Can we trust that? Fear and anxiety are running away from something, but they don't know what to run to. And fear calls out to a person who is bigger and stronger and safer than we are. John 14.1 tells us to not let our hearts be troubled. And I can't help but notice that word let. Don't let your heart be troubled. It sounds like maybe we have a say in what our hearts give into, doesn't it? This worry, this concern, this stress, this anxiety, it doesn't have to win, not if we don't let it. And with God's power, we can choose what we let in and what we don't. And so when I feel my chest tighten with anxiety because I have a talk to give and I'm afraid that people aren't going to find me worth their time, I can say, Jesus, forgive me. I renounce this anxiety I feel. This talk, this work that you have given me, these people, as much as I cherish them, as much as I cherish my mission, it does not define me. Their opinions of me, Lord, do not define me. You define me. What I accomplished today, Lord, does not define me. You define me. And I am dearly loved. Please give me your holiness here and now. I need your holiness to get through this talk without being distracted by good things that are not ultimate things. Help me, Lord, to put this in its proper place. Amen. We can get honest about our anxiety, about what it means that we cherish, and then we can shepherd our hearts and we can ask for our Lord's holiness. We have to go outside of ourselves for an answer and we have to seek the God who is in control. Our fear has to point us to the knowledge of God. 
If fear is a personal matter, then we must set off to know a person. Our God is King. Our God is Father. Our God is generous. Our God hears you. Our God delivers. Our God is near. From the book of Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is my friend Stacy. Stacy and I have been friends for two years. She is powerfully spoken, always perfectly accessorized, and she laughs with her whole body. And she is absolutely one of my very favorite sharpeners. Hey, Stacy. Hi, Allison. This is so fun. I know, and I absolutely love that you think that I'm powerfully spoken. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? For those of you guys who don't know Stacy, you can't see her. She's just this tiny little thing, um, but explosive in spirit. So yeah, I, I think always, that's pretty accurate. I say I might be 5'1", but sometimes I think I'm 5'10". <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that is, that's not shocking at all. Small but fierce. I love it. All right. Well, I will never forget um, the day that you came bumbling in to Emily's house. We were having dinner, and um, we just had an Insta chemistry, didn't we? We did. Um, It was like surface talk lasted about 30 seconds. Yes. And we went deep, and we went deep quick. Very quick. Fast and furious. You know, we have this joke that we probably tell too often, but it's like we started with a handshake and then went right into the monkey hug. Yes. We (laughs) might do that right now. (laughs) Let's. (laughs) There's another thing I remember about that first evening that we met. You had an instant crush on Jackson, one of my kids. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, for a mother Mm -hmm. and you to like light up at one of my children... I'll never oh, forget that. Like, yeah. you know, like that was special. Like, I'm like, mm, is my that best true? friend. It's like, whatever you do to my children, you do to me. Hey, yes. hey is that scriptural or what? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. No, yeah. If you love my kids well, you're loving me well. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. And I, I just, I'll never forget that you were drawn to him. And so, mm. therefore, I was like, mm-hmm, I love her. She's yeah. my best friend. That's neat. Thanks for <laughs> telling me that. I didn't know that. You've never told me that before. Yes. Um, but you're right. We went deep pretty quick. It was like all of the sudden, you know, the, the, the handshake to monkey hug is not only, you know, uh, this physical, literal thing, but but also, you know, symbolically, it was like we, we exchanged some pleasantries. And then all of a sudden, I was telling you about the depths of my heart at that moment Mm -hmm. so I just I love that about you that you invite that you're just such a safe space to land that's just one of my very favorite things about you totally non-judgmental totally open um just a very receptive and active listener thank you you're welcome I think um one thing that it, it a transparent um spirit connects with another transparent spirit. And mm-hmm. I think you are so um, ultimately just in love with Jesus and your willingness to be open and to be transparent is contagious. And at that at this stage in my life, I have to look at transparency um, like 
it's a necessity yeah. to stay, um, just to stay in freedom yeah. and in light. And yeah. so I think our, our, we connected so quickly because of that openness and yeah. that willingness to go trans, be transparent. I love that. You're and, right. and, and we skipped right over the surface mm-hmm. stuff. You know, when I was afraid to move to Japan by myself, my mom's advice to me or my mom's comfort, her consolation was, Allison, kindness attracts kindness. Mm. You are going to be surrounded by kind people because you're kind. That's right. And that was such a consolation to me. That was so comforting to know that wherever I go, even if it's on the other side of the world, I'm going to find like-spirited people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's dead on. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, you talk about the transparency keeping you in the light. But also, I mean, let's be honest. I don't have a lot of time to sit and and talk about things that don't matter. That's so, right. like, friendship needs to be efficient these days. That is exactly right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, when I get together with you, I just... I feel like not only um, do we go deep and do we, you know, talk about things that matter, but it's also just a heck of a lot of fun, Stacey. Yeah. You are somebody that is so much fun to laugh with. I mentioned in the the intro that you laugh with your whole body, and honestly, I think your knees are involved. You make me laugh because sometimes I even laugh with my nose because I get tickled and snort. <laughs> but we, my sister and I always used to like, we have had these like deep conversations about our laugh because we're kind of like this bad silent laugher like our mouths are wide open our whole body is shaking but there is not a thing coming out and then when it does yes and then when it does it's like a squeal or a squeak or some sort of awkward <laughs> laugh so I you know and that's another thing I love about you is you have a great laugh like it is just a good and like so when you start paying attention to that like you'll find like People laugh all so differently, and it's, it's great. So I love that you mentioned that because... I love laughing with you. My whole body is involved in my snorts and all sorts of interesting things. Well, Stacy, I have to say that if I didn't know you so well, and know you well, I do, but if I didn't, I would really have no idea that fear um, was something that you struggled with. You're so vibrant, you're so commanding, you're so confident, and those descriptors, to me at least seem like they would exclude fear, but we know that they don't. Right. So tell me a little bit about that paradox. You know, I, I love those descriptors that mm-hmm. you use mm-hmm. because those reflect how God created me. Awesome. And Beautiful. Um, when, when he um, formed me in my mother's womb, those are the characteristics mm-hmm. that he gave me. Um, unfortunately, I know now that the enemy planted a seed of fear in me when I was very, very young. Mm. And um, what I think the Lord made for the good, the enemy tries and has tried my whole life Mm -hmm. to still kill and destroy. Sure. So, you know, um, this this fear that I... um, have I worked so hard to you know slay and keep in check? It 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 did. It's it reared its head very young in me to to the to the point that like I had nicknames like Worry Wart. Mm. Um, I was scared of my own shadow <laughs> when I was little. I, I really was, um, and I just 
I didn't have good tools yeah. back then to know how to fight that. Right. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. And so I, I did learn very young how to like build walls and to mask. Mm. So, I mean, I have almost these defining moments in my life where I can say from a very young age to a certain point, I masked. Yeah. I masked the fear. I, I was desperate. And doesn't to cover that tell it. us that we inherently know it's not right? Yes. If it's something that you're trying to cover up and not celebrate, you inherently know yes. this isn't good. This isn't pure. This isn't true. Right. And, and it was always in the darkness. Mm-hmm. It always, I tried to bury it into these dark places mm-hmm. um, where things multiply and fester. Yes. And, yeah. and it's ugly and slimy and gross and it yeah. belongs in the pits of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I hit a point where I started to overcome. Okay. And, and that's a good place When to would be. you say that that was? When um, I, was, I was pregnant with our first child, and um, I was desperate. Hmm. Um, actually, it was even a little bit before pregnant. It actually started like right around the time we got engaged. And the fear went from kind of an internal, and you, you might need to, you're better with this kind of stuff, like an internal emotion to a physical anxiety attack mm. where it went from something I kind of kept yeah. control deep down inside right. to I was having these physical manifestations of fear that I had never dealt with before and it was a whole new level and I was like desperate. Wow. And so, and Kevin, my husband, he's so good. Don't you think that desperation best showcases the Lord's work? It's like sometimes he has to take you to the bathroom floor. Yes. You know, to make these miracles happen. Go ahead. Yes. He he was just, he was great in all of this because while he, I'll never forget this. He was like, I love you and I will do anything to help you walk through this. But I'm not going to raise kids while you're in the back room breathing in a brown paper sack. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget it. So it's like he was like, I love you, but I'm not going to enable you in this. Oh, bless him. Yeah. It's time. Yes. What he said is it's time. We're dealing with this. We're not pushing it down underneath anymore. It's time. There are kids involved. Yes. And in a beautiful display, it was Kind of what my heavenly father was saying too. Yeah, sure, sure. He was he was like, like bringing me back to himself through this. Absolutely. You know, isn't that? I feel like you know we have these selected, chosen, celebrated people in our lives, and what they become is pointers. They become mm-hmm. pointers to say, "That's God. That's not God. That's God. Right. That's not God." And it's why we need a body. It's why we need these people around us. And your husband was just the ultimate pointer at that time. Sure. That is so beautiful. Yeah, I it was it. great. It was great. Um, Way to go, Kevin. Yes. In fact, I read this this morning. You know how great the Lord is. And while we're praying and hmm. meditating, he just drops these hmm. nuggets in our lap. And it, I read this this morning. It said, it says, God's great love and purpose for us worked out in the messes, storms, and sins, blue skies, daily work, and dreams of our common lives. God works with us as we are and not as we should be. So I literally thought to myself, right smack dab in the middle of an anxiety attack, he was there just bringing me back to himself. Mm-hmm. And praise praise the Lord. 
I didn't have to get my crap together and I didn't have to slay fear by myself. He was yes. there. He was there. I will saying, fight for you. Be still. Yes. Yes. And it's good. Isn't that there's also such power in just nothing can change until it becomes what it is. Mm. Nothing can change until it becomes what it is. And so it's like, I need to come to grips that, that this is a struggle. I need to acknowledge. I need to bring this out into the light. Right. And and calmly accept this about myself mm-hmm. and then allow him to fight with me in it. But as long as we are packing things away and pretending that it's not there, there's just this multiplication, this exponential factor that happens. And so what what Kevin was insisting that you do is deal. Yes. It's time to deal. Yes. And that doesn't even mean that you're done. It just right. means that we're starting. Right. 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 Because, you know, like Paul says so beautifully, like, it, it's kind of the thorn in my flesh. Mm-hmm. Fear is, is my cross to bear. Right. And so there have been moments where I have pleaded with God to heal me completely from it. Yeah. But it makes me cling to him. Yeah, it makes right. me cling it's an to opportunity him. And, for and prayer and he intimacy. uses it to, for me to check myself. Mm-hmm. When I feel it kind of creeping back in and I know all the signs, yeah. I know there's something I need to get right. Uh-huh. There's something that I need to press in and pray about mm-hmm. um, because he's trying, he's, he's working on my heart about yeah. something. And so he uses it's like a little barometer. A, it's mm, this little spiritual exactly. barometer. It's exactly wow. what it is. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So we talked specifically about, you know, you know kind of a, a fearful childhood, um, you know, as far back as you can remember. And then kind of this come to Jesus moment, um, when you were about to bring children into the world, which is fine timing, by the way, right? <laughs> <laughs> to get your ducks in a row. And um, what does what you know? And then we talked about like this very physical, you know, panic attack. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, fear happens alone. Mm-hmm. My fear happens in the middle of the night. My fear happens at at three a.m. when my mind's racing and when I I am so alert to everything that could go wrong in my life. Yes. I, and then there's an anxiety factor too, like you mentioned, where I'm like, I can't quit thinking about the dog that I know that lives on a chain three blocks away. And I'm so concerned about like the quality of his life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking about that at 3am. Right. That becomes my barometer too. <laughs> it's like, yes. you know, but it's also like you said, this kick in the pants to, to get up and go and overcome and that's right. And do the things that, that, plague you at yes. 3 a.m. too. It's an opportunity. Yes. Do you ever struggle with the what ifs? Like, okay, so I had this very wise mentor tell me one, once. It's, if we are what ifing everything, it's almost as we're not trusting. And it can cross over into sin. Right. And when she opened my eyes to that, I realized how much I what if. So when you're up in the middle of the night, are you thinking about like, what if, um, my kids don't perform well at school. What if my mom hates my brand new amazing tattoo? You know, like, do you struggle with that? Do you feel like? Um, yes. So I have these 3 a.m. moments and that's usually when my mind's racing, like I mentioned. And for me, a lot, when I look closely at my fears, it reveals my vanity. 
because something's always underneath our fear. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's, whether it's whatever it is that you're idolizing, um, it could be, you could be idolizing control. You could be idolizing comfort. You could Mm -hmm. be idolizing affirmation or feel, you know, approval, which is mine. Um, and so when we look closely at our fears, we can see what's underneath them. And for me, it is, is everyone happy with me? Am I... Am, am I doing things in, in a pleasing manner mm-hmm. so that my image can be upheld mm-hmm. the way that I want it to be? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't have a comfort idol. I'm, I'm, I'm fine being uncomfortable. I don't have really a control idol either. But I tell you what, I have an approval and affirmation idol in spades. So, and it's, that is good for me when I do feel my mind racing, going to those, what if places, what if my mom's mad? What if I can, I can, you know, that's, that's what it is for me is it's kind of like, if we think about this cycle that gets going with the, what ifs, like picture literally like a circle turning, Mm -hmm. I can step my foot out and Mm -hmm. stop it. Mm -hmm. And I can stop it with that truth, which is I have an audience of one. That's right. And my job is to please my Lord and to fulfill the callings that he has given me, to live on the mission that he's given me, to embrace the gifts that he has given me to do that well, period, the end. Right. Beautiful. Um, That's beautiful. Thank you. I, um, and it's, you know, honestly, here's a, here's a trick of an enemy is that I've told myself for years that I'm not a fearful person. Mm-hmm. because I don't need comfort or I don't have a diaper bag packed with every single necessary necessity, like a pack mule, you know? Right. Like, and so, oh, I'm just really laid back. Oh, I'm not fearful. That, that was a lie that kept me from addressing the fears that I did have that while they might not have been as conventional mm-hmm. as a lot of other people fear, mm-hmm. other people's fears, they were absolutely still there. Right. And it's so healthy once you identify it and you name them and you claim them mm-hmm. and you bring them to the light and then you use the gauges that you were the, mm-hmm. that we've discussed about how to monitor when they're trying to rear their ugly heads again. That's right. Okay, so I love that idea of it being a barometer to take us to a deeper truth. Barometer. Okay, next. I, that's the word I wanted to use, but I was afraid it was going to mess it up. <laughs> We're like, is it a barometer or is it a thermometer? Yeah, is it a- which barometer is it? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of science happening here. Um, okay, I cannot leave this interview without celebrating how you have slayed your fear. Um, you have lived such an exciting life. You enter into relationships so effortlessly, number one, nurse, so it seems. Um, Number two, you have had a very exciting career as a labor Mm -hmm. and delivery nurse. I love Stacey Caffey's stories. (laughs) (laughs) And you have started a business from the ground up, my Mm -hmm. sister, embracing um, your, your gifts and talents Mm -hmm. and you have a ton of other ministry endeavors and you're just doing things left and right. How in the world does somebody as fearful, um, as you go to such great lengths to build this kingdom? When you realize and when you know, and you believe that your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone, you become unshakable. Love it. I'm not saying that you still have moments that you need to confess, right. repent. Right. You need to get on your knees and pray right. before our Savior. You need to have girlfriends where yeah. you can be transparent, mm-hmm. but you become unshakable. And I want unshakable and needlepoint on a pillow, please. Yes! <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. Um, and that's when the just it, the game changes. Yeah. And you you get up, and I, I I read this in the book and rock paper scissors. When you wake up in the morning and you can go here, I am. Send me. Yes. And and you can relinquish that control. I love it. Um, and just know that we are his. We are his daughter, and he's going to walk us through anything. That's it's not right. going to always be blue skies. That's right. It's he didn't hard. promise us that. No, no. This is reality. Yeah. But he'll walk through it with us. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Stacy. The one thing I before we sign off, I want to I want to hit that I think is so important for listeners and for everybody to know. This is not a cure all. This is not a wipe your hands clean and now I don't have to deal with this mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I think that that's that can become a a big um, Achilles heel for a lot mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. is that oh well yeah this person used to deal with that and now mm-hmm. they don't they've been cured mm-hmm. there are things that I'm not ever going to be cured of because the Lord's going to keep me close right you know He can give me tools right He can give me more muscles to help carry it better. But, you know, this is going to be something that's probably still going to raise its head in my life. Uh-huh. And now I'm just more equipped. That's right. And so here, here's what, how I would encourage, because encouraging is one of my, one of my um, spiritual gifts. You turn on the praise and worship music. Mm. You read his word every single day. Mm. You pray to him without ceasing. You mm. memorize you memorize his word. I love it how is you know the word. Sword. Yes. You carry it with you at all times. You write it on your heart. It's your weapon. Because the enemy, sister, and I know you know this because you have amazing things going on. Hmm. And you talk about fear. You're starting this whole gorgeous podcast thing, which <laughs> I'm so excited about. The enemy hates it. Mm-hmm. He hates it. He wants to stop this mm-hmm. because we are carrying the gospel forward. Mm-hmm. We are for the love of Jesus Christ. We are building heavenly um, kingdom rewards while we're here on earth and the enemy hates it. So you got to fight. Mm-hmm. And how do we fight? We fight with our sword. He tells us that. Mm-hmm. There's power in praise and worship. There's power in prayer and there's power in numbers. Mm. Gorgeous. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I have chills all over my whole body. Can you, Stacy, can testify? <laughs> Do I not? You got some goosebumps. <laughs> I love you, sister. Thank I you love so you much. Too. Thank you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Love I love it. you. Love you. And a word from our sponsors. This episode of Center Saint Sister is brought to you by Revival Living Interiors, where their prayer is that your home or business is a place of inspiration, love, and legacy. Revival starts at home. And Bass Plumbing. Call Bass Plumbing at 979-731-8723 or email them at bassplumbingllc at gmail.com to take care of all of your service, residential, and commercial plumbing needs. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hey, Beefy. Hey, Beef. 
so we are here sitting in your closet because that's where the sound is best and for some reason this reminds me of being in the third grade with you. I mean honestly when we met I think we were still playing hide and seek. <laughs> totally. Do you remember um, there was that one time I think it was at a party or something but I hid under a pile of blankets in a closet and I almost suffocated to my death. Oh my gosh, that was terrible. And because my hiding spot was so good and nobody could find me. And because I was under this pile of blankets, right? So like my screams were muffled. I couldn't get to the closet door. And I honestly, I think the dog eventually found me. No one could find you. I can totally remember the house in the closet, but what dog would that have been? Chris, I guess. <laughs> the cocker spaniels with bows in his ears. <laughs> it was a, whatever. He was my savior. It was a total lassie moment. I think he started sniffing at the door. It always made me laugh that you had a dog named Chris. It's like, come here, Jason. Daniel, come here, boy. James, get off the couch. <laughs> it's because I wanted a brother. I named him a real name. Is it not totally crazy that we're both only children? Yes, yes. How do you think that plays into us being beefies? I don't know. I think um, we both needed a person, and we had a person. And we we said before that we think that beefies are probably better than siblings. Um, no rivalry. And you get breaks, and like we've never. Fought. <laughs> I do not need a break from you. I know. Do you but need like, a break from? No, me? I don't need a break from you. But I was just thinking about <laughs> my kids last night. So like, I needed to just let them have like a few seconds apart from each other, and we had that forced into. Oh, our so we're not scarred by needing breaks. Right. Like you've never hurt my self-esteem. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I like it. I didn't. I don't have a chance to know I need a break. Right. Okay. So here's our question today. What are some ways to overcome irrational anxieties, like being afraid of spiders or heights or flying? Why do we have to overcome them? We're grown-ups. Embrace them. I'll say we don't have to play with spiders or go on really tall ladders or fly. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Hmm. I like that. Okay, so but that's not really realistic because actually recently... I, so I never used to be afraid of heights, but the older I get, for some reason, I'm like leaning more and more into it. And I recently had to get on the ladder and it was terrible and totally embarrassing. Hmm. I really agree with all of that. Like, let's not force ourselves to do really impractical things. I mean, as a young person, I was always looking for things to jump off of or jump out of or be suspended from or scale down. Now I'm like, sea level's great. <laughs> I get in a swing at the playground and I'm like asking the other moms for Dramamine. It's so bad. <laughs> they totally probably have it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so at 40, I'm much more likely to keep things pretty practical, but I do have one debilitating phobia. Well, I have a little bit of claustrophobia, probably, you know, because of the blanket incident of 1986. But um, my debilitating one is a fear of dead things. Oh my gosh, I you can't do, deal. and it's so bad. Do you it's know why? So bad. How did that start? I have no clue. I don't know. Oh my gosh, do you remember that time that you wrecked your truck? <sighs> Whatever. I knew you were going to bring that up. So I ran into a mailbox trying to avoid re-running over a squirrel that was dead in the middle of the road. Already dead. Already dead. Okay. Because I needed to be further away from it, and so I totally just nailed a mailbox. So that's a hard one to explain to your dad. Like, dad, <laughs> got some bad news. <laughs> Clearly you're better with dead things now than you were then. Um... Maybe a little. I mean, kids make you get rid of your crap, right? Like, you have to deal with their crap, so you, you know, can't be enmeshed with your own. Um, 
So uh, to even like attempt to answer this question, it's a lot of deep breaths, right? Like I breathe deep a lot and it kind of like pulls me right into the present. So I don't know. I've noticed that that helps. Yeah, totally. And talking to yourself. So like when I had to go on that ladder recently, I was like, I'm a grown up woman. I'm a mother. Mm -hmm. I have mom strength. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's people watching, <laughs> so I have to go up this pretty short ladder. Both of those are two very valid things, yes. mom strength and an audience. Um, but seriously, like, my internal dialogue was, I'm a mother, I can do hard things, and um, truthfully, I got just a little rational about it and started thinking it was probably, like, a 12-foot ladder, and I was imagining that if I fell, it would probably only be, like, a broken arm, and that would not be the end of the world. <laughs> so I could totally do it. Oh my gosh. But okay, here's the thing. I think that's like actual, I think that's a thing. Like engaging your rational brain, you mm-hmm. know, it kind of pulls yeah, you right. out of that fight, fret, what is it? flight, fight, or freeze mm-hmm. thing. That. So you engage. It, this is science, folks. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is real. There you go. How's that for a non answer? <laughs> Pretty good. All right. Bye, Beef. Bye, Beefy. Lubella is my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened. And now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubella win the internet day after day. January 8th, 2017. Last Monday, I received a call from the husband of the current resident at Suites of Hope. She was in the middle of a clinical trial and was scheduled to stay in the suite through the end of February. Her husband said they had received bad news that morning and were going home immediately. The clinical trial was their last attempt for treatment and it was not successful. The cancer had spread to her brain. They were both grateful for their two-month stay and were terribly sorry they could not say it in person or tell us goodbye. But they were packed, left the key under the mat, and needed to return to New Orleans so they could hug their daughter and sleep in their own bed. We need to go home, he said. We need to be home and wait for the end there. Bright and early this morning, the patient called to apologize about their abrupt departure. We spoke for over an hour on how it was nonsense that she ever be sorry, how much she loved Sweets of Hope, how much she loved her family fully, and she expressed the sadness that overcame her when she realized although it may be weeks or months, she would have to leave them soon. But man, she said, what a relief it was to be out of the hospital and back in her hometown with her parents, husband, daughter, and friends. Are you scared, I asked? You know, Lubel, it's okay to be scared. Being scared means you're about to do something really, really brave. And according to my daughter, I'm braver than all the superheroes combined. I'll take that any day of the week and twice on Thursday. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. 
I used to think that the only thing I was afraid of was spiders, but I recently let the Lord into my life and He has revealed a few things to me. I was blind to it before, but now I see. Fear was my puppet master. It pulled all my strings and called all my shots, and it took the place of faith. I was the only one in my family who didn't do drugs, who could think clearly, who seemed to have some sense of right from wrong. If I didn't fix things, no one else would. I had no faith. When I was 18, I was worried about my brother, worried about my niece and how his life was impacting hers. I was scared for him and I had no faith that God could ever move in his life. So I did. I told him I would sell his drugs for him. And once I got in, I couldn't get out. It's the devil's work. And then fear started pulling strings faster. I was scared if I didn't sell the drugs, my brother would. I was scared I wouldn't get enough money. I was scared I wasn't good enough to do anything else. I was scared of the people I worked with. I was a slave to my fear. But then something happened. I found out I was pregnant with the baby I always wanted. That's when faith started fighting fear. But it hadn't won yet. Even though I changed my life and I was going to church and bought a home and two cars and two motorcycles and had a nice savings account, fear still had a pull in my life. And in a weak moment, my husband and I agreed to one more one-time deal. And here we are, 10 years in prison. A two-year-old and a 10-month-old without a mommy or a daddy nearby. Now that I'm here, I've had time and space to look back over my whole life and know that fear was underneath and up above every move I made, pushing and pulling. Well, not anymore. I've decided while I'm here to replace fear with faith. I take the uncertainties as they come and I leave my incompetent hands out of it and place every desire, every concern into the capable hands of the Lord. Fear is not my master. Faith is. Please pray for me. Dear God, our fear, it is a gift from you, and it guards us from danger. But when we rely on it, and it keeps us from fully entering into your will, or fully living out our missions, our callings, from fully using our gifts that you have given us, that's when we have given fear an unholy power. 
So we come to you, Lord, admitting that we are afraid. The uncertainties and the dangers and the rejections in our lives can sometimes leave us breathless. Fear. It brings out the darker corners of our souls. And even though we know, God, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, we are still struggling. So come to us, Lord. Let us know that you are near. We need you to rescue us. We need to borrow your holiness to successfully leave our fears behind. Lend us your holiness. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And for this episode, a special thanks to Ed T. Welch and his book, Running Scared, that inspired the opening message of this podcast. Stacy Caffey, Kristen Kelly, Lubel Gaelic, Pamela Anthony, Sweets of Hope, Brian Federal Prison Camp, Revival Living Interiors, and Bass Plumbing.